0: Welcome to the Neophotonics Podcast. I'm John Houghton. I'm here with Ferris Lipscomb. How are you doing, Ferris? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. So, uh we're using a lot of bandwidth these days. Uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine that works at Facebook and he says everybody's logging on to Facebook because of uh, everybody spending so much time at home because of the uh, COVID-19 outbreak. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about fiber. So as the fiber begins to load up and the networks begin to load up, what are some of the capacity limits of optical fiber?
1: Well, an optical fiber can carry an enormous amount of information. Um, And depending on the application, you know, you may or may not be uh, up against the limits. Um, But while it can carry a lot of information, it's not... all available. In other words, there are certain wavelengths in the fiber that have low loss and that can be used for long-distance transmission. Um, These windows, you know, one is called the C-band, which is right around 1550 nanometers. Um, These are all not invisible wavelengths, but in the infrared wavelengths. And then there's one called the L-band, which is a little bit further out. Now, for short-distance transmission, that these don't matter because the cost of the fiber isn't that much. But if you look at long distance, either hundreds of kilometers or for long haul, thousands of kilometers, um, the amount of the cost of putting the fiber in, you know, building the conduit, laying the fiber, the cost of the fiber, the cost of amplifiers along the way, that's a big part of the cost of uh a fiber optic system so you want to get as much information through that window as you possibly can because then the cost of the fiber is amortized over much more information so the cost per bit goes way down
0: and so far as when we're talking about different bands we're talking a little bit about different colors of light would that be accurate just for people that are kind of new to this kind of thing
1: yeah, these are different colors, but they are um, colors that you can't see. They are colors that are in what's called the infrared, which means that they are longer wavelengths than the red you see visibly. Um, you know, fiber initially was, you know, in the very near um, infrared, uh, but as it's gotten better and better and as technology has gotten better and better, um, the focus is on these um Windows and modern fiber has you know losses of only uh, you know a few tenths of a dB per kilometer, um, which is really enormously low when you think about uh, you know one dB of loss is about 20 percent, a little less than 20 percent of the lights lost, and that would be you know 10 kilometers. Um, so if you had you know, if the ocean was as clear as fiber is, uh, you could see all the way to the deepest part of the ocean from the top. It's just an it's an amazing uh, transmission.
0: So now, with the C band, why did we move up from like like I guess near infrared, be some like eight or nine hundred uh, nanometers, and then when the C band, which is you know, so we're on fifteen thirty to fifteen sixty five, does it transmit longer distance, or what's the advantage?
1: Yeah, the the loss is much lower in that. Spectral region, but originally there weren't lasers and detectors and everything readily available to use. So the first fiber optic systems in the 80s, you know, used different wavelengths. Um, the most popular one originally was 1.3 microns, uh, but um, the loss is lower at uh, 1550, and that's what's used in you know all systems now that go um, that go hundred kilometers and above for short distances like two kilometers and um you know 10 kilometers the 1.3 micron region which is called the s band is is also used so the other technology that enters into this is called dense wave division multiplexing and that's instead of just having one beam of light going through the fiber in that window you can have up to 100 uh, and they're spaced very closely together um with very special filters that you know fil- that multiplex and demultiplex all those wavelengths on. So to a system, you know, one fiber with one set of amplifiers, you know, looks like the equivalent of a hundred fibers or more. Um, so that allows you know packing more information into that window.
0: For people that are new um, to this, that would be would it be a little bit like um, it's in the infrared spectrum, but if you brought it down from fifteen hundred into the visible wavelength, which is somewhere around you know four four hundred to, to 700
1: 400 to 700 it's yes
0: just, it's just like slightly different colors of light stretching across a rainbow maybe and so you'd have a band of light that'd be responsible for signaling so instead of like using one signal is tying up the fiber using you know 96 or 100 signals all with different colors of light so you have that many times more uh th- you have that much more bandwidth
1: that's right these are um you know colors of light that are very close together it's like if you go to the paint store and you have to select you know paint for um you know, for your bathroom, there are, you know, 20 different kinds of blue. And it's the same here. They're just very colors, very close to each other, just slightly different shades, um, but very isolated. Um, so you have to have very sharp filters and very precise filters to, to do the separation. Uh, but that's, you know, been developed over the last 20 years, and it, uh, it greatly increases the, the capacity of fiber. Um, but now that's getting full. So um, there's many techniques um, to try to get more information on a fiber. Um, so, I, I mean, as I said, you can have up to 100 different channels you know, in one of those bands. Um, so one way to get um, more information is to increase the number of channels. Another way, though, is to increase the speed of each channel. And that's what has been accomplished by coherent uh, technology. Um, Back in the year 2000, you know, 10 gigabits per second per channel was the fastest. Uh, But with coherent technology, that's now up to, you know, 100 gig per channel was the standard. Now it's 200. And you can get up for some cases, you can get up to 400 gig and even 600 gig or 800 gig. Now that does have have some effect on how wide the channels have to be and, and things like that. But once that gets full, then you want to make the window wider. You want to fit more channels in that window, um, which would go through the same fiber and the same amplifier, um, so that you can get more capacity in that, down that fiber. Um, and that's what some new technology that's come along, um, has accomplished. Um, Yeah. So, so, so tell me more about that. So I've got a little chart in front of me. It's a little bit cheating, but I
0: wrote this out a while ago (laughs) and it's got um, all the bands, the O, the E, the S, the C, and the L band, you know, starting from left to right. So how how do we get more capacity in the fiber?
1: So, um, as I mentioned, in the original C band, um, you could get, say... Well, the original C band, you could get 80 channels, um, you know, spaced at 50 gigahertz, and each one carried uh, 10 gigabits. Um, so that's about 800 gigabits per channel uh, per fiber. Um, but with coherent, you can increase the speed of each one of those channels, um, and you can also extend that C band so you fit more channels in. So the original band, you know, 80. 80 channels times 50 gigahertz is about 4 terahertz, um, spectral region that, that that band fills. Um, but with new technology, first it was extended a little bit, but new technology, which is sometimes called the super C band, or what we call, um, at Neophotonics, the C++, uh, range, that extends it up to 6 terahertz, or even up to, you know, as much as 6.4 terahertz, uh, terahertz. So, If you were just looking at 50 gigahertz channels, um, you could get, um, you know, up to 120 or 125 um, channels in that same fiber. Now, as I mentioned, coherent sometimes means you have to have a slightly wider spacing. Um, For instance, you can go to 400 gig per channel, but then instead of 50 gigahertz channels, you have to get up to 75. Uh, but even with that, you can fit, um, as much as 34 terabits, uh, per second of information down a single fiber. And that is just an, an enormous uh, amount of, uh, of information. Um, but that information is needed, uh, particularly in applications like interconnecting data centers, um, Many data centers now, instead of having one, you know, huge campus now have many satellite campuses, which are located, um, you know, closer than, uh, 80 kilometers. But by the time you run the fiber and everything, the average length is about 80 kilometers. Um, and they have to talk to each other just like they're right next door. Um, so that's an enormous amount of information, um, that's required. And, um, you know one thing people don't realize is that um when you send a query to a um you know to google or some other um internet content provider uh, it generates you know six or more times as many bits moving around inside and between data centers than the bits that you get sent to you so there's a lot of activity and a lot of interconnection that's needed um to accomplish this um,
0: when I explain this, these things to my friends, I try to say that Google is not just one big data center. And a lot of people don't even have a concept for that. But it's many data centers, like three dozen data centers. And they're all doing load sharing. And they're all located. It's good to get for your request to go to the nearest data center. So if we're in the Bay Area, there would be a, a data center, you know, maybe a smaller data, a metro data center. And to get the content that we're asking for the most gets pushed to us, uh, out, out, to the, out to the nodes, so to speak. And so it's a lot of communication in the back end. It's got to be... Also, very high speed.
1: Yeah, and that's um, the way data centers are organized is a topic for another podcast. But there's a lot of effort put into how where the data is stored, how it's managed, where it's cached, um, to kind of try to reduce the the amount of data transmission that's required. Uh, but it's still enormous. Um, but um, to go back to talking about you know expanding the C band, um, you know the there are reasons that the original C band was only, um, you know, 40 uh, or 40 terahertz, And that's you have to have lasers that tune over that entire band. You have to have receivers that can uh, receive information over that entire band. You have to have modulators that can operate over that entire band. Um, and you have to have amplifiers that can operate over that entire band. So um, what we've done at um, neophotonics is extend um, the tuning range of our laser, you know, out to be beyond uh, six terahertz, um, so that you can tune over that band. And we also have receivers and uh, modulators that work over that wider band. Um, this ends up increasing the amount of information in the fiber by more than fifty percent. Um, Sorry, well,
0: is that is that um, that extra room? Are we creating that at the bottom of the C band or the top of the C band? And do you happen to know the nanometers? um,
1: it actually goes in both directions. You kind of, um, you know, extend it, um, you know, push, you know, push on both sides to make it bigger. Um, and similar things can happen with the L band. Um, I might mention that the, you know, some people can use both the C band and the L band together, um, which also increases the capacity of a fiber, but that comes with, um, additional complications you don't have amplifiers that work in both bands so you have to have two sets of amplifiers you have to have you know splitters and combiners to separate the c and l band channels and then recombine them after the amplifier so it ends up uh, making things um, considerably more complicated
0: how much into the lower band like the s band and how much into the l band are we going is it just oh
1: it doesn't it doesn't get anywhere near the S-band because um, the reason that the S-band is separated from um, the C-band is there are big water absorption peaks. You know, even though the fiber is very pure, there's very little water in there. When you're talking about loss on the order of um, um, of tenths of a dB per kilometer, any little bit hurts. So, In between the s and the c band you know it's not really usable because there's just too much attenuation in the fiber that's why these are called windows because those are the areas where the fiber is very transparent um, and there's absorption peaks you know in the other places that make it not possible to use the the fiber there or the yeah in those wavelengths
0: So mostly the super C band is pushing up into the L band. How far up in there do we go? Like if it's if the C band is uh, 1530 to 1565, about how much do we push up into there?
1: So it pushes. um, You know, when you think about it, it's going to be you know 10 nanometers or so on either side. So it pushes you know up into the you know around 1570. Um, I don't have the exact number on, um, but. And there's a certain amount of adjustment there. And it also pushes down into the 15-20 you know, range.
0: So it creates more opportunities for bandwidth. How much more?
1: Well, you can get about 50% more um, capacity in a fiber uh, by going to the C++ uh, configuration rather than a standard C configuration. Wow.
0: Seems like a huge deal to me because... Um... You know, from some of my cursory knowledge is that you lay fiber when you like put down railroad tracks and it's very expensive to put down fiber. And if the fibers reach its capacity, then there's really nowhere to go. I mean, you'll do anything not to have to dig up fiber. And so it would make a lot of sense to change the transceivers on both ends so that you can get more bandwidth, especially when everybody's streaming videos and playing video games and doing online schooling and video conferencing.
1: Yes, you're just adding um you know, adding more channels to each fiber, making it look like, you know, logically there are more fibers there. Um, One interesting thing is, you know, people always try to put in more fibers than they can possibly imagine themselves using because, um, you know, the real cost is digging the trench and putting in the conduit and, you know, laying the cable. Um, So, at each stage of the evolution of, you know, fiber optics, um, people put in more than they thought they'd ever use and, a few years later, they've used it all up. So um, depending on where you are, you know, which country you're in, which industry you're in, they may be in a situation where right now they have plenty of fiber. So they're not, or so they're not so concerned about, you know, packing as much into each one as possible. But there are other places that, you know, are fiber constrained, because they put it in a few years ago, and they've already used up all the fibers. So for instance, right now, China is in that situation. Um, so they are aggressively moving to the super C band or C plus plus configurations because they, they are, you know, they have fiber, um, exhaust problem. Um, some places in the U S they still have plenty of, uh, uh, fiber unused fibers that, uh, you know, that they can use. So they're not so, uh, anxious to, um, you know, to, do the changes necessary to do the C++. But in a few years, once they've used up all the fiber they have, then it's a cheaper solution than putting down more fiber and digging, you know, digging the trenches and et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. So, and the um, neophotonics uh, instantiation of this is called C++?
1: Yes, Um one of the most difficult parts of doing this is getting the laser that can um uh, tune over that larger range without uh, you know losing its um other properties in coherent you have to have a laser that has a very narrow line width and you need a certain amount of power all the way through um the entire tuning range so with our external cavity laser um it's very um it's less sensitive to the tuning over larger ranges than other technologies and it has a very very narrow uh, line width so it's what we call a pure color and that means that there's less noise in the coherent systems mm. well it
0: seems like less noise could go longer distances and that translates to lower cost
1: yes longer distances higher speeds lower cost
0: well thanks Burris for telling us about the super c band and the c plus plus and uh, we hope you can join us next time
1: okay i'll be glad to do that